Hi, everybody. So uh, obviously, we've had lots and lots of crazy things happen uh, this week. We actually recorded this podcast on Monday of this week uh, on the uh, 9th. And by the 12th, uh, everything had changed. So you'll hear me talk about the Tumble Weeks Film Festival. And that second week got canceled. I mean, everything got canceled. So I just wanted to give that caveat. And uh, so I hope you're all doing okay. And uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Obscure Animation. This is the podcast that we do once a month where we talk about a, a underappreciated, underseen animated film. And we have a lot of fun uh, giving it its uh, moment in the sun. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner. My friend Stanford is always so great to come and talk about these films with me. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you. Excited <laughs> to talk about some obscure animation again yes. this month. And it's yeah. definitely obscure. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting one. I'd heard about it, but I, I had never seen it. So it was fun to, you know, we're going back to the very beginning of, uh, of animated of films. <laughs> this is the second we're talking, today we're going to talk about Gulliver's Travels from 1939 only the second American-made feature film, animated film. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to have fun talking about that a little bit. Uh, but before that, I thought I would just sort of recap uh, sort of some of the things that have been happening. One of the cool things that happened in this last uh, month uh, that people should check out over at rotoscopers.com, I uh, published my article on women in animation. And I'm really excited about it because... I, I I had originally had actually sold it as a, a, a pitch to a, a website, and they had a, they had uh, were interested in it, and I worked really hard on it, like because they wanted it to be a research based, not just an opinion piece, but a research based piece. So I worked really hard on it, and it starts out with uh, with Retta Scott and Mary Blair and the Ink and Paint Women, and goes all the way through to uh some of these people today like dom he she uh and uh and jennifer u nelson and some of these uh figures of women in animation that are changing things and i was really 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 proud of it and i finished it uh and turned it in to people and i really felt like i had given them what they'd asked for what they had bought and they for whatever reason didn't didn't like it and so they uh they rejected it and what was really cool is i so i went ahead with their permission i put it on rotoscopers and uh we got a little bit of response but uh at first and then all of a sudden right around international women's day uh somehow people uh found it and it started getting shared by all these different organizations and all these different uh websites and and uh um, you, you know, Agnes Varda? Yes. Oh yeah. So her, uh, her Twitter and all she's passed away, but I, I, uh, I think it's Agnes films, I think is what it is. Something uh -huh. like that. Anyway, they tweeted it out my article and, uh, it, it cool. just kind of grew legs. Congrats, and people, Rage. Yeah. So that made me feel so good because I felt so proud of it. And, uh, I think it, it just shows that, you know that it's you just gotta keep you know keep going yeah and you can't let the 
you know, that you'll, that your work, if you keep working hard, will find its audience. And I was really, really proud of it. It's, it's called From Mary Blair to Now, The Impact of Women in Animation. How cool. Mm-hmm. And Kudos. Uh, yeah, we talk about uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lee. We talk about uh, um, Signe Bonme, who we talked about on this, uh, on this podcast, uh, yeah. Rocks in My Pockets. And uh, a lot of really cool um, quotes and uh, uh, different uh, things. The uh, uh, Dami, she, she says, she said, so I think a lot of studios, especially Pixar and Disney, they recently come to realize and to value drawing from different sources of storytellers. They know that by utilizing their super talented, super diverse employees and filmmakers that they're going to be keeping themselves ahead of the game and continuing to tell unique stories that will set themselves apart from other studios. And then Jennifer U. Nelson, she says, I've been asked about the glass scene a lot of times, and I don't think of myself as some kind of crusader going around smashing glass. I don't feel like I had to, and that is very, very strong. That's a very, very strong flag showing the people around me made it so I didn't have to. Everyone I've worked with were the ones holding me up saying, you go, girl. And that she's the one who did um, the last two Kung Fu Panda movies. Oh yeah, right. Directed them. So I thought that was really cool. And anyway, so I'll put a link down in the description. People can check uh, check that out. Uh, we had Nora Twooney who uh, did The Breadwinner. It's nominated. Um, I had a quote from her. And anyway, I'm just really proud of it. And so people should check it out if you haven't had a had a chance. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, so great, Rage. Yeah. Congrats again. That's Thanks. really cool. And then we also had here in Utah, we had the Tumbleweeds Film Festival, uh, which is as of this recording uh, was this last weekend and then coming up again to next weekend. It'll probably be done by the time this posts. But, uh, but this is the first year that they had done it two weekends in a row, which is really cool. And it's a, it's a really neat film festival just for, for families and for, for children. And uh, they, they have not only animated films, but they have quite a few animated films, shorts and feature films. In fact, they had The Prince's Voyage as the premiere, uh, which is directed by the same person uh, who directed Louise by the Shore. Louise by the Shore, yeah. Which we covered on this which show. We, which we, yeah. yeah. I, I do not which... think it's as strong as Louise by the Shore, uh, but I'm also not the biggest, like, fan, not as much a fantasy person as, um, but it's a little, it was a little dry, but still just so beautiful, and, uh, and it's really cool. They have, uh, they set the kids up with a little trans, translator devices, uh, so that they can watch the movies without having to worry about the subtitles, and. What a good idea. Yeah. For so sure, you know, for a, yeah. for for a kid-centric audience. Yeah, you know? and and so then, and even some adults, you know, that, that oh, find that sure. harder with the with the subtitles. Uh, they uh, they they're able to get introduced to all these different films, and then they have like workshops on all different kinds of stuff. They had workshops on makeup and workshops on special effects, and the kids can take in schools and field trips, and it's all done by the Utah Film Center, who's it's such an amazing organization and and then and you go down there and they have all these like fun booths and crafts and 
and it's just a it's just so cool i i don't think that there are that many cities our size that offer that kind of cultural entertainment for families i, I think yeah it's I think really it's so special impressive. yeah absolutely and i'm so glad you could go and then you could report on it and then what a strong advocate you are for it too you know i think that's yeah. really really great well we're so lucky to be able to the the to be able to live here and be able to have the kind of I mean, we just take it for granted uh that uh there's people who live in much larger cities than we have that don't have things like the salt lake film society that uh we get all pretty much all the independent films they come here yeah. uh we have <coughs> excuse me we have tons of local theater and arts and and uh, and and we're in this like weird little random kind of mecca of animation uh, love and you know like BYU has tons of graduates who are in uh, in animation and and so it's it's an interesting uh, place to live and it just uh, I just I think we are very lucky to have the Utah Film Center and all of the screens I mean all, every week they have two to three free screenings that you can go to and uh, and particularly Tumbleweeds Film Festival where it's going to be all you know for the family and they have the age on the thing that so you know uh, whether it's appropriate and uh and then and some of them are free screenings and some of them you pay for but it's a uh, anyway it's really cool i got to interview patrick uh patrick uh Hubley. uh yeah i got to interview patrick Hubley for rotoscopers who is the founder of the tumbleweeds film festival and he, that was really interesting to get to Oh, talk nice. To him. I bet that was interesting yeah. to get a perspective on. Uh, how many years has it been running, Rachel? Is Nine it just like years. The, yeah, say it's been going for almost a decade, right? And yep. that's really, really cool. And this year they've expanded it to two weekends, right? Two Isn't weekends, that? yeah. And they Which did. so cool. I put for Family Movie Night, I reviewed uh, Morona's Fantastic Tale. And they are showing that uh, at the festival and in addition to the prince voyage and rona's fantastic uh tale is a movie from is an obscure animation from last year in indie uh, that is so cute about this little dog and uh, it's uh and his various masters you know over the years and really 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 cute or her masters i should say so anyway they're doing some great things and it's definitely worth checking out around where you live and finding the film festivals and the arts and the activities that are yeah. right by you. You don't have to go, because a lot of people are like, oh, I wish I could go to Sundance. I wish I could go to TIFF. Uh, but you don't have to. You, there's uh, a lot of stuff usually pretty close that people can support and that, that have good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. All right. Well, after all of that, <laughs> we, uh, we, I, I didn't feel like I had a ton to say about Gulliver's Travels, so uh, we, we thought we'd cover a few other little things going on. Uh, but yeah, Gulliver's Travels, it came out in 1939, and evidently uh, Walt Disney is, it was famous for saying that his, his second tier animators could, <laughs> could, could have produced that in their sleep. <laughs> so he he wasn't uh he wasn't kind to go over his travels well yeah and i don't think that that you know the producer of this film max fleischer 
I don't think he and Wall were really <laughs> best, <laughs> <laughs> best friends. I read an anecdote, Rachel, that was saying that. So um, Max Fleischer's son, I believe his name is Richard, and I'm sorry if I'm wrong mm-hmm. um, about that. I can double check. But his son uh, was a live action director, and he actually directed uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in the oh, 1950s yeah? for the Walt Disney Studios. And they, Max Fleischer came over at some point, you know, and, and I think Walt Disney had him over. They had, you know, a meal. And I, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was necessary for the premiere, but it was like came over and like watched some of the production or something going on. And, and uh, uh, I think that every time Max Fleischer had an interaction with Walt Disney, he used to refer to him as that son of a bee. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> excuse my French. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think that they, but you know they I think really it's because they were competitors. Sure, you know they were they were making films at the same time. This um, and doing a lot of innovative stuff. You know Max Fleischer. Speaking of you know of the rotoscopers, Scythe right for he actually invented the rotoscope. Yeah, and and uh, he created the first commercially produced. Um, you know, the, the, he, he's the one who got the patent for it. And I believe oh, okay. it was like, I think it was 1917 when the patent was granted to him for it. Well, yeah, I, we'll talk about the rotoscoping, but the, uh, I think the part of the problem with this movie is I don't know if I really like Gulliver's Travels as a story at all. Well, it, it's, it's unrecognizable. I mean, part of it too, the, uh, the, uh, I mean, clearly they use the premise of, of a man crash landing in a shit, you know, I mean, getting washed ashore from a yeah. shipwreck, and the, and with the little little Lilliputians, you know. Yeah. And I I read so I mean, true confessions here. The last time I read Gulliver's Travels <laughs> was in college. Yeah. Okay. And I I so, read it. I feel like it, I don't think I ever read the whole thing, but I think I read parts of it, kind of like yeah. Canterbury's Tales. I don't think I ever yes. read all of Canterbury's Tales. But I read parts of it for, for like literature. Yeah, classes. exactly. I, and I, I remember mean, thinking it was very boring. Well, it's you know it, it it's a social satire of of that time period, and mm-hmm. and uh, they turned it into this almost unrecognizable. <laughs> I mean, you know, Disney and any and, and many other people are guilty of doing this stuff to you know to literary works. But I'm with you. It's like what's so appealing about this and they there was drama between the two countries in the book so i had to go and at least read, read a summary of the book and because mm-hmm. as i recall the book has four sections there's like four main places that gulliver goes on his travels mm-hmm. this really just focuses on the on the very first one yeah so it's just like the first fourth of the book and the stuff even though these are warring nations but there's not like this love story with the you know kind of the mm-hmm. all, all, all a sleeping beauty as we would know it, and, you know as far, as far as an animated story goes between you know the prince from one kingdom and the princess from another yeah and then uh, of, of kingdoms that are you know in you conflict. Know, really the first almost the first almost the whole movie is them just trying to set him free oh. and trying to like trying to deal with him like it's it, it's, uh, it's it's most of it is trying to find a way to lift him yeah we're a good hunk of the movie well oh absolutely well and then it seems like the first 
I mean, we, we, we they kind of set up the conflict between the two kings, you know, these mm-hmm. uh, these warring kingdoms. But doesn't it take like twenty minutes for the the little Lilliputian who discovers him to yeah. tell? The yeah, king I mean, that, I, oh, by the way, there's a giant that's on the beach. When here. they're finally getting to the point where they're lifting him, I looked and it was almost the 50 minute mark. I know. Just when they're lifting and, him. And isn't it like an hour and 20 minutes or something? An hour and 15 minutes? I know. It's oh. almost the whole movie is just like them lifting him. And yeah, and this little romance kind of going on. And I, I it, it felt to me like something more from the from the 70s than it did from the 30s to me oh interesting How, it, i that? felt like it seemed like something ralph baschke would have made like oh, okay. just just in animation not in tone and, and theme but uh but you know because he used so much rotoscoping ralph baschke yes and yes. just the, so, the i don't know i felt like it had sort of a little bit of his style a little bit to me you know i think that's a really good point no i i i, I get I, I understand that <laughs> i didn't think that initially watching but you know hearing you say that like oh yeah um gulliver i think his his character is all rotoscoped though yeah. it's just the way the way he moves the the lilliputians in the other kingdom they all look super super cartoony yeah. you know and maybe maybe there was some rotoscope use but then also the it's interesting because all all of them look super cartoony and they almost look i mean they kind of look like um to me they remind me like a set of the seven dwarfs you know well, as far I mean, as what i thought of is i thought of betty boop yeah it's because very Matt circular is the creator you know what i mean that he 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 his studio did is the creator of betty boop oh really that's interesting yeah yeah because they're the, the faces are so circular yes so circular yeah. and, so and you got the really on. big circle cheeks and like they all look i thought they are actually kind of cute the, they're the cute. people yeah they i thought cute. i think they're cute they're it's just super super cartoony they're almost almost like a similar style that you'd see in some um silly symphonies at disney yeah but it too. does not fit in with the gulliver at all it looks no. so weird it's so it's so in contrast and so out of place yeah the fleischer studio is also you know they created uh pop popeye ca- cartoons oh, from, okay. the period, from the period well too. they were saying in on wikipedia that originally this was going to be popeye's travels right that and so they then it got changed and and then it and got morphed. yeah and and this is you know i think to be mentioned too is from paramount pictures and this is all totally in response to to the success of, of snow white and the seven dwarfs sure yeah and which so, is 1937 yeah so this is all in all trying to you know rep, the one replicate thing I, the success of that film and yeah yeah please after you no the one thing that i like better the one thing <laughs> i like better is i like the style of the singing i'm not saying the songs are better but I, you don't have that squeaky singing. You know, they have the squeaky singing of Snow it's White. It's more traditional, like choral. Yeah, I mean the singing. Yeah, and the two, those two, the the two romantic leads, which again, those and those were probably rotoscoped too. But those, it was interesting because those characters they look so out of place because they're so perfectly proportioned. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and they and they've got the kind of the classic looking faces, and then everybody else around them is the. <laughs> you know 
the highly stylized yeah. Betty Bo- Betty Boop Seven Dwarf, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to call. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, I know that they're the the, the romantic leads, but still that was to, to me it just almost seemed weird because i mean you look at them and i just think okay are they small i mean initially i was, I was thinking okay are they, oh yeah they are small because they're you know if they're from this place yeah <laughs> and yeah. You, know, you see them in, in conjunction with gulliver well but. it is even the the king i feel like has a very different the kings have a very different animated style than the the princess and the prince yeah yes and and it's also kind of awkward because they're like this arranged marriage and but i don't know so that makes it a little bit awkward for now and uh but yeah the songs there there's uh six songs yes uh, that's all's well and then faithful forever uh it's a hap hap happy day uh bluebirds in the moonlight uh and i hear a dream and we're all together now and i think they're all fine songs and yeah, I, I did I, like they're, the arrangement they're fine they and again they just seem like they're very much songs of the time period too yeah you know and and uh yeah i'm with you they're they're fine they're kind of forgettable mm-hmm. but they're but they're they're fine yeah i just prefer it over that squeaky singing of snow white, <laughs> <Of> snow white. <laughs> even though i think those songs are better but i just prefer yeah, yeah. Uh, there's that they do that the wedding feast is where they have bluebirds in the moonlight and that was kind of a kind of a nice sequence there were some nice moments of lighting i thought oh yeah on me too Gulliver. yeah, yeah. I, they, they did some interesting they did some interesting stuff with with the lighting that's probably the stuff that i liked most about the animation i think in a lot of ways they were trying to mimic snow white i frankly felt you know just just mm-hmm. given the look of that of 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 the little Pusian's kingdom and kind of like the design of the, the castle and all, but mostly just like in backgrounds. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you, the lighting, there's like one scene in particular that it seems like Gulliver is, is it sunset or something, but it kind of got in bed and they do interesting stuff with the color of his clothing too. I just, I thought that was really striking. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of reminded me of like a, a bad Don Bluth film. You know, <laughs> like just kind of like, <laughs> like well, trying trying to yeah. get that but it all kind of comes off as kind of like the bad don bluth not the good don bluths but like the and it all it, it's trying to get that disney cuteness but instead it ends up feeling just kind of like oh well yeah because really really weird i think the, the story is so problematic. i mean as we were yeah. saying you know early on the story is so problematic that they've created for it and it's it's one of those things like it just sure it, it could work for animation in that it's pretty fanciful that this you know this, this man lands in a place with miniature people right and, yeah and that's that's kind of a fun concept but wow the story they created was so interesting and so um the pacing of it like just nothing was happening or they yeah. or, you know or it was happening at such this in such a deliberate pace but but so deliberate that i just like trying to stay awake you know yeah i mean i guess don bluth he would put in some like slightly garish comic relief (laughs) probably with probably dom de louise (laughs) and they don't even have that here they don't have uh, they don't they don't have really any comic relief and they have that one they have that one character who uh 
um, is like the, you know, the one who discovers Gulliver in the first place. And yeah. um, I'm uh, Gabby, you know, you know, G- G- Gabby, who is, and then they have those three spies from the other kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's like that bird that gets sent, like the pigeon or whatever, they get sent with the message. But none of them, I didn't think any of them were funny. I mean, I know that they were trying to be. But I don't think I laugh. <laughs> no, I mean I, I think I don't mean to be so critical, Rachel. But no, you know, I just I, the I, I they I remember enjoying a little bit. The bluebirds in the moonlight is a silly idea. That song and that sequence was a little bit silly, a little bit fun. But uh-huh. um, but yeah, there wasn't a character that I was like, okay, that's the the comic relief kind of character. Right. Yeah. Right. It. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this just. I guess I mean maybe I'm making it sound like I hated it more than I did because I didn't I wouldn't say I hated it but it was just it was just kind of like not very good well it's yeah it's 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 not a good it's really not a good film again I think is I think it's historically significant yeah that you know as as you as you mentioned that it's the second full-length animated feature created in America right Uh, and I think it's, it's interesting just in you know just to see in comparison to what disney was able to do uh the uh i mean it's just such a contrast night and day well it is and you know i mean you look at the artistry of what they were doing at disney i mean just the the high level of it the um the multi-plane camera i think also you know makes a big difference in the in, in the depth of field for so many of the, uh, the shots and as you mentioned, some of the lighting was 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 unique, but overall, I didn't think that there was really anything uh, remarkable yeah. about about the film. I mean, can you imagine Walt going to see this and being like, "Yeah, we got Pinocchio coming out. We got this. <laughs> we got this." <laughs> I mean, you look. You're right. I mean, Pinocchio <laughs> comes out the next year, and holy smokes! I mean, there's like no comparison. No comparison. I mean, just the absolute beauty of the animation. In Pinocchio, some of the best ever, and the oh yeah, the I mean it still hasn't songs. been matched, you know, mm-hmm. and some of the stuff that was done they did in Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they were probably like putting their feet up, <laughs> like we're gonna be okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting little thing from history. But I think part of the problem is, is I just, I don't know. I don't think, me personally, I don't think I'm that big a fan of Gulliver's Travels. Just the story. I, I don't know. Well, as I said, it's, it's yeah. I mean, not, not necessarily, a, I mean, conceptually, maybe. But yeah, not necessarily a good story. And not really I mean, true to the source material at all, other than, you know, the only Gulliver other version lands I've on the scene is the one with jack black and that was horrible too yeah uh, so <laughs> yeah. i don't i don't i wonder if it's it's really just not the most cinematic of stories because it's the same way with things like beowulf and and iliad and audit like those are are classic stories but they're really not that cinematic because they're kind of you just take like one stop one stop one stop one stop on the adventure as opposed to having like a, a clear sort of plot of here's what we're doing kind of a thing well right and you know don't 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 mean to uh, be repetitive but when i studied governor gulliver's travels excuse me in college i just 
distinctly remember, I mean, it, our professor turned those lectures into a way kind of a British history lesson mm -hmm. where we were learning about some right. different things that were happening at the time and why this was a significant piece because Jonathan Swift was, was satirizing, you know, yeah. a lot of, a, a lot of the uh, societal and challenges happening in the day. And, yeah. and, uh, how do you turn that into a family animated film? No. <laughs> you know, I don't think you do. No. I don't think you do. And, 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 and however they, you know, modified the story, I, it was, I didn't think it was successful. There really is no story. I mean, I guess you have a little bit of, it's like it's literally lifting this giant up. Well, they lift the, the giant up, and, they, up. and then this other kingdom wants to, you know, There's the marriage, arranged marriage. The, yeah, the arranged marriage fell apart. And so now they're going to go to war. And, and uh, you know, I think the other, that other kingdom wanted to take over, mm -hmm. and, you know, and then Gulliver brings, you know, help, with the help of the, of the uh, prince and the princess brings everybody together. And so there's a happy ending, but, and then they build him a boat, right? Spoiler <laughs> alert. And he sails off right. to, his next, to his next adventure, but thankfully we didn't it, have to go along. It's interesting because there is some of this in this movie, The Prince's Voyage, that I just saw that because it's also about a uh a it's not giant but it's a a um foreigner i guess uh -huh. they, that washes aside this land and all the, the people are very uh they are, are very skeptical of him and kind of inquisitive they, they have this whole inquisition about him and and then they end up this uh in this whole uh this whole kingdom of the monkeys that is in the tops of the trees and anyway there, there's some things but uh but yeah i mean it's just the problem is, is you, just, you just have to get enough plot uh into these kind of stories so that it's you know that it's interesting as opposed to just kind of saying something i mean even with wizard of oz they they had to change things around quite a bit in order to make it cinematic so that it could uh work as opposed to just being this you know sort of allegory uh, and it's sort of adventures in Oz uh, that you had to kind of work it around to give it a you know clear focus of Dorothy and you know getting back home and everything like that uh, and so which came out the same year as this uh, you know 1939 is known as one of the best years in the best history of years cinema in, 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 yeah yep because uh, of uh, well I mean Wizard of Oz for Wizard one of Oz, them. Wizard of Oz, Gone and, with the Wind. <laughs> yep. Uh, Wuthering Heights came out yeah. of the year. And yeah. so I'm glad that I saw it. It's interesting. But uh, but yeah, it <laughs> it was it wasn't the best. No, uh, it's but, it's it's yeah. it's not like I said, yeah, historically interesting and not that not that great of a film. Now one other I just think an interesting side note is you know, this film it's now in the public domain. I you know, I initially mm -hmm. when we had you know we had when we were chatting about this, trying to you know, plan for this episode, I, you know, I personally never want to watch a pirated copy of anything. I mean, right. I really try to be sensitive about that, but the, the, you can buy a, a Blu-ray of this there in, in 2014 Thunder Bean animation released mm -hmm. a restored version of the film along with several other of the, of the Fleischer studio shorts. I don't know what shorts are on there, mm -hmm. but so there is a DVD that I, but that, I just watched it on YouTube. There's like multiple versions of it on, yeah. on YouTube and it was, and it was fine. And I didn't feel like, you know, again, cause it's, 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 it's a movie that's in the public domain. So still, 
labeled as a as a Paramount Pictures release, but but uh, you know, I get I don't know how all any of that stuff worked when when Fleischer and Paramount parted ways. Mm-hmm. And Fleischer made the Fleischer Studios made some Superman shorts oh, in in the early '40s, and I know I've seen some of them, and I think that the style of it was very influential to what um, is it Bruce Tim did for uh the batman the animated series oh and so hmm. those are some that i want to check out again i thought oh that would be interesting i should do a little more homework and to, to see some of those superman shorts because i i know i've seen some of those at some point and mm-hmm. and, and thought that they at least yeah. stylistically were really interesting to look at you know i don't know if the stories are any good yeah that'd <laughs> but, be interesting but, for sure yeah yeah mm-hmm. especially in the 40s and you think of uh the you know some of the themes and stuff like that i'd be curious because that's pretty early for superman isn't it yes that's right when it first started i think i think it was the first animated uh you know Mm -hmm. retelling of super or telling of superman stories interesting yeah Yeah, so there we go that's gulliver's travels so if any of you have seen it let us know what you think of gulliver's travels and uh and if uh, if you maybe think we're being a little hard on it, let us know in the comment section or on Twitter. Uh, and uh, we'd be very curious for your thoughts. And uh, so let us know if you have any suggestions of what we should do for Obscure Animation coming up. We have some fun ideas and I uh, look forward to, to doing that. It's something I really do look forward to every month, uh, talking about what I think are sort of obscure, underappreciated uh, films and uh and getting a chance to talk to stanford about it i just think it's so much fun yeah. well i have a great time too rachel and thanks for always introducing me to interesting <laughs> movies I, you know, that's what i love is just being able to expand my horizons and see something yeah. see something different so thank you so where can people find you and your uh content on all right i'm on twitter at stanford clark and i have a blog and podcast at moviespastandpresent.com Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. If you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. And if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and give us your thumbs up. We really appreciate that so much. We also have our patron group, which is really fun. And, uh, and it just helps us so much. The more patrons, the more fun stuff we can do. And then we also have our merch store, which has Animation Junkie shirts. So make sure, and designs, so make sure to check that out. And uh, so thanks so much, uh, Stanford. I really appreciate it. And we will talk again next month. Thanks, Rachel. See you. Bye, ya. everyone.